I was looking at ICD-10 coats for a project I'm working on. One good one is injured while sleeping. Also, this one, it seems super specific. It seems like you could have slotted this under another ICD-10 code, but in any case, it's a burn due to water skis being on fire. That is V as in Victor 91.07. There's another one here that, again, super specific. Struck by falling object due to a canoe accident. But only something that's falling. Like you couldn't fall into something. So like you had to run your canoe into something, causing something to then fall on you. Another really good one that I thought, again, kind of specific. It seems like this would be hard to accomplish. But anyway, struck by turtle. I mean, clearly the turtle is not going to be moving quick enough. It's not like a hit and run. Somebody would literally have to hit you by throwing a turtle at you. Welcome to Touchpoint, a podcast dedicated to discussions on digital marketing and digital patient engagement strategies for hospitals, healthcare systems, and physician practices. In this podcast, we'll dive deep into a variety of topics on the digital tools, solutions, strategies, and processes that are impacting our industry today. We hope to share a lot of great information and have fun along the way. And now, here are your hosts, Reed Smith and Chris Boyer. All right, that was Michael Vinsky reading the intro as always. Michael, thank you very much for your support and help. Find out a little bit more about everything that he does over at his website, michaelvinsky.com. I am Reed. On the other side of the microphone is Chris, as always, and we're here with episode number 64. Hey, Reed. How's it going? Pretty good. I'm looking forward to seeing you next week. That's right. Well, actually, I'll be there a week from today. So we're recording Mm -hmm. this on a Monday. I'll be arriving uh, in Salt Lake City for the uh, the big conference uh, a week from today. That's right. I'm really looking forward to catching up with you. You and I see each other maybe twice a year, if we're lucky. Three times a year, if we're unlucky. Right, right, right. And, and it's usually at these conferences that we get together and hang out. Two or three times a year, we've got two or three conferences. And uh, crazy enough, we'll actually probably talk about those here just a little bit. Sure. Uh, as you have downloaded this episode, you'll know that we're going to be talking about CME and not that kind of CME, mm-hmm. but what we're calling continuing marketing education. A little bit more to come on that, but we're here because of uh, our sponsors. So uh, a little bit of love to uh, one of ours loyal, mm-hmm. let's face it, other chat solutions, uh, they're out there, but they're slow, labor-intensive. They're just not smart. They don't, they don't work well enough. And so uh, we want to introduce you to the latest solution from Loyal, which is called Guide. That's right. Guide uses that powerful AI-driven algorithms. We've talked a lot about AI before. It's a chatbot that engages patients in dynamic conversation while helping them along every step of their way through your website, through whatever that online journey is, from choosing a doctor, finding a nearest location, applying for a job. I've even seen it used to uh, helping find out where the local gift shop is. You know, And it could be used with or without live agents at your hospital. That's an interesting feature. So uh, Loyal's intelligent, healthcare-specific, and I think that's important that it's healthcare-specific mm-hmm. platform. It can be customized fit your specific needs, your brand, uh, all that kind of great stuff. Guy looks, feels, sounds like you because it's designed for you and by you. To learn more about how Guide can work for you, jump on over to loyalhealth.com slash guide, schedule a demo. Make sure to tell them we sent you. Loyalhealth.com slash guide. 
We are talking here a week out from the conference uh, in uh, Salt Lake City. We're actually talking about continuing marketing education, which I'd make an argument that the conference is one of those applications, and we'll get more to that. You know, when we say that, I think it's interesting that if you look at, you know, there's CME, continuing medical education. There's also CNE or continuing nursing education, or, or I guess they have to have certain amount of continuing education to keep certifications, right? Whether you're a doctor, nurse, other allied health fields. That's part of the rigor of being certified is that every year you have to take a certain amount of credits to learn more about your space, the industry, the latest trends, mm-hmm. advancements, etc. Which is interesting because us here on the marketing communication end, it's not that structured, right? It's not that formal. It's not. And this extends beyond just healthcare, right? So, I mean, I think, you know, those in the legal profession would agree that, mm-hmm. um, you know, or they would confirm, I guess, that they also do those types of things. And and I would assume other trades, I guess, maybe is a way to say it. Uh, people that went to school for a particular job function. So mm-hmm. lawyers, doctors, you know, even teachers, I think, have continuing education requirements uh, that they have. People in, in, in a lot of the business fields, you know, whether you're you're a marketing major or man, you know, business management, even if you have your MBA or something like that, there's no, there's no ongoing checkpoint. You don't lose your marketing <laughs> degree if you <laughs> if you don't you know continue to learn when i got my marketing major coming out of school there wasn't such a thing as most of the stuff that i deal with on a day you know there's no social media you know review sites didn't exist i mean the internet wasn't very good quite honestly yeah. so it's just changed a lot so i think it's important to keep up obviously you know, it's interesting, Reed. I didn't even have a degree in marketing, but uh, yet this is what I do. And I've been in the space more than 10 years, a year or even longer than that. Part of me getting into the space really was built on the fact that I was naturally curious about how marketing in hospitals and health systems, how that worked, you know, so many years ago. And so I started to actually get out there and start to learn and, and figure that all of this out when there was no formal training. I mean, this is way back when, you know, you and I were like one of the first 400 people on Twitter, apparently. This is why, you know, people ask me why I continue to research and look and do and find. It's because I'm trying to make sure people don't accidentally catch up to me. Because to this point, <laughs> the only reason I'm an expert is because I signed up for Twitter before they did. And, That's right. <laughs> uh, I need to I need to make sure that they don't realize that that was like really the only thing different between me and uh, them at the time. So... Uh, I kid, but but not really. It's one of those things that, like, if you, if you don't continue to look at this stuff, you're going to fall behind to some degree. That's so true. And before we jump into the different ways that we can, as marketing professionals, keep ourselves current, I want to refer to a Harvard Business Review article that we found that show four habits of people who are always learning new skills. And it might be something that we can actually reference as we go into it because it really gives us a good kind of structure moving forward. One of the first things is around focusing on emerging skills or or things that are going to be impacting your industry. So way back when when you know we were first on Twitter, the one thing that I found is, you know, as we were talking and I was talking with others, is we were naturally curious about how this technology can be applied into our own discipline and our own space. That's what we need to continue to do, right? Is keep focusing on those things that potentially are not impacting our industry today, but can be impacting it, you know, two, three, four, ten 10 years down the road. 
Absolutely. And the second one in this article, which I think is kind of interesting, you know, they talk about engaging with online learning tools. When and where it's convenient is becoming a much larger part of training in the development scene. And I know when I got my MBA, I did most of my work online because I had a job at the time, obviously, and couldn't go to class every day and that kind of thing as far as a a traditional classroom experience. Uh, The benefit, obviously, convenience. Um, Mm -hmm. You can do it quickly or do it when it's available. But there's also a downside that they talk about. Uh, Sometimes, you know, you end up just kind of in a silo somewhere. Um, You're not interacting with real people. You can potentially lose motivation because obviously you're not there with peers, you know, live and in person and that kind of thing. The third characteristic is implement your learnings immediately. And this is interesting because I've done this a lot where you go to a conference, you're like, that's so cool. And then you get back to the office and you just don't do it. This is what they're stressing here is like, really put that learning into action however you can. And it doesn't have to be you go learn about the biggest AI intelligent solution. And then you come back and you implement that immediately. Spend time trying to make it work within your organization. Start to advance some of the ideas that you've learned. They say enactment enhances memory by serving as an elaborative encoding strategy, meaning as you practice it, it becomes part of your process. And finally, which this shouldn't be a shocker to anybody, but they say that uh, you know, a char- you know the final characteristic here is to set a golden benchmark. What's the goal? What are you trying to accomplish? How do you know if you've been successful? It's kind of your maybe your personal ROI. It could be something super large, and that's kind of what they're talking about here is is you know what's kind of the larger goal? Is that a new job? It could be a promotion within your current world. Yeah, I think one of my personal ROIs was to play ukulele at a conference, right? So, <laughs> yeah. yep, <laughs> yep, and uh, we'll put a link in the show notes. We actually actually have that on video. So there you go. Let's talk about ways, Reed, that healthcare marketers today can specifically start to go after their own personal continuing marketing education. You know, based on that article, what we're seeing is is there's a self motivation uh, there, right? I mean, these mm-hmm. are people that are not. Or you would hope, I mean, people that are good at this, right, are wanting to be good at this. They're wanting to continue down this path. They're not just okay with just doing the same thing year after year, right? So mm-hmm. this this first thing we're going to talk about is kind of that self-taught piece. How do you how do you venture out there and start learning? You know, where do you go? You need to start Googling things, right? And the first one at the top is the best answer. Close. Well, I don't know. That's probably not all bad, I guess. Uh, that comes back to discernment, I guess. But, um, but you know, Google obviously is in there. Yeah. You know, you, yeah. If, you, if you're interested in a topic, you, you're not sure what machine learning is versus AI. Well, you know, that's probably the most logical place you're going to go. Doing those types of things, I think, kind of gets you that base layer. You know, you know a little bit about a lot, but not a whole lot about any one particular thing. So as you find those things that you have a personal interest in, or maybe you've got a, um, a, ta- a talent for, a knack for, and you want to drive a little bit deeper, these are some some ways to potentially do that, right? Start joining user groups or newsletters or email lists and, and just start to you know look to see where information is, is being shared about this particular topic. Like here's a good example. If you're interested in and have not done a lot of, say, uh, inbound marketing, and maybe you're not even really sure... Like you kind of have an idea of what, what all that is, but you're not entirely sure. 
you know, find out who the leaders are in that space. There's some good vendors, obviously, that do that, not necessarily just in the healthcare space. And they're going to have blogs, they're going to have newsletters, things like that that you can sign up for, maybe even uh, some webinars, which kind of bleeds into another category. Some of these will overlap, obviously. Uh, but th- those are things you can do. You know, so you think you take somebody like a HubSpot, something they're known for, well, you can sign up for their stuff, right? You, know, you mentioned newsletters. One thing that I signed up for is kind of the industry newsletter for podcasting, right? So it has nothing to do with healthcare. It has to do with the medium. I want to hear what's happening, what people are saying about the podcasting network as a whole, advertisers, you know, things like that. So you find kind of that industry newsletter. You can also find peers and people that are actually doing it if you like go to social media. Twitter is a great place. Tweet chats about different things. Yep. But, you know, social media, you could find people of like-minded interests that are talking about this. LinkedIn has some great information out there. Mm-hmm. So social media is a, is, a, is a font of great information if you're self-teaching. Twitter is still a great place that hashtags are super valuable. You know, there's good ones around healthcare marketing, social media, healthcare leadership, you know, all that kind of stuff. Uh, HIT topics kind of get you, you know, understanding what people are talking about. And don't underestimate books. There's a lot of books written about this and you can get them in Kindle if you're a digital person. The one tool too that is really good for self-teaching and I've used it quite frequently in my career is lynda.com. Absolutely. Tons of topics. I mean, on in everything known to man, you know, much like reading books, broken down by topic, things like that. You know, if you if you work in a hospital, we'll look at the resources, um, even self-guided resources that, you know, newsletters, things like that, that your state hospital association puts out. So don't, don't underestimate like trade associations and the amount of content that they publish. So those are good self-teaching resources. But Reed, what about the old-fashioned face-to-face in-person learning? In person is still awesome, especially if you can make it. So if you start geographically speaking closest to where you're physically sitting right now, then you're probably looking at at local meetups. It may not be healthcare specific, but that's not all bad either. Uh, actually, right. it's not bad at all. But you look at you know these different social media uh, meetups and breakfasts that that you see, social media clubs, things like that that are free to join. You can stop them you know by on the way to work, or maybe it's lunch hour type stuff. And then, you know, extending it a little bit further, your your local or your state hospital association is a great place, too, where they have professionals such as yourself where you can now start to get together. You could talk, usually talking, but they bring in sometimes speakers, you know, from across the country where you're focusing on big topics that are impacting the industry today. That's right. And you're networking with your peers. I and mean, it's a great resource to not only network with your peers, but get on the advancement of, of your learning of what's happening. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, another great example going out kind of another ring there. So you've got the state hospital association is the one, I guess, organization that does board certify healthcare administration executives. So you can actually become board certified. Right. You ever notice the little F-A-C-H-E after someone's name? Yeah, they're probably an administration, probably a CEO potentially or a COO stands for that they're a fellow in the American College of Healthcare Executives. And so ACHE is is an organization, a membership-driven organization that you can join. And you you can receive continuing education credits. They have those local meetups. They have state state level meetups and networking events and even conferences. And so from an in-person standpoint, I think that's that next level is the conference. And so you'll see state hospital association conferences ACHE conferences, which could be the national conference, and you're part of the country, even you're part of the state. 
Uh, and those are great places to learn quite a bit about what's going on. And speaking of conferences, then we got our national conferences that we could talk about. Now, way back in episode 10, we talked a lot about the various conferences that are out there. Those national conferences really become an important place where you can congregate and talk about various different topics, learn new things, network with peers, learn from vendors. You know, you got Shushmit, you got HCIC, you got the Forum for Healthcare Strategists, which is happening next week, the one we were talking about before. Mm-hmm. You have HIMSS. Even outside of the, you know, specifically healthcare realm, so South by Southwest, right? So they've got a, mm-hmm. a subset or a track that's around health and wellness, but it's not a healthcare conference. Um, you've got some other things that are kind of like that. Well, e- even from a technology standpoint, and maybe this is an extreme example, but you have like CES. You know, that's mm-hmm. going to have some health-related uh, pieces to it, but it's not healthcare-specific, right? And that's so right. those conferences are great because obviously there are meetups even within that. Uh, there's certainly networking. And don't underestimate, you know, what that does and what, what the ability of that is um, to actually be able that's to right. interact with folks out of the office, not distracted, whether that be vendors, whether that be other you know peers or hospitals or whoever it may be. So, mm-hmm. And last but not least, for all the synchronous training that we're talking about, don't forget your schools. There's colleges. There's universities. There is you know formal places where you can actually learn if you want to get into a particular discipline or you want to get your you know your masters or whatever it might right. be. There's a lot of different things. Past just your masters in health administration or uh, some schools have an MBA with a healthcare focus. There are those schools that you can get a degree in social media now. You know that's that's probably not as crazy as it was a few years ago, and so you're probably seeing more and more of those pop up. So still sounds crazy to me. Yeah. But anyway, so that's the synchronous learning. So let's talk about virtual learning or the asynchronous learning. If you think about this, and again, a lot of these overlap, right? Because if you take like your state hospital association, they'll have a conference. Well, then they also have some virtual pieces as well, like webinars, for example, where you can learn about different topics and even hear from different folks outside of just the association. Webinars are also a big you know, driver of uh, you know, vendors, you know, people, in, especially in the technology space, where you can learn, sign up for and learn about, like we mentioned earlier, inbound marketing or maybe AI or machine learning or something like that. Now, again, it's going to have a product slant to it, but that's okay. Do enough of them and you can discern, you know, where the content is. And plus it gives you a good feel for, you know, who's out there and who seems to know what they're talking about. Online forums, we talked about that as like self-learning, right? But but there's even ways that you can participate, like HubSpot, and others, they have like places of what the Mayo Clinic yep. uh, social media network is a great place for that, where you're getting together and it's it has a little bit of the webinar, the kind of formal learning. It's also a little bit of networking where you're learning other things. Those are other great areas for online for that kind of that asynchronous learning. Another very similar one would be socialmedia.org. Uh, where they facilitate phone calls on a regular basis, like conference calls, where people can share ideas, you know, kind of a an audio version of a message board, basically, or of an online forum. I think the Mayo Clinic's forums are, are great because people get to share advice, ask questions, things like that. And gives a place that you can go look up information and, and ideas. And then lastly, one last piece that we want to talk about, Reed, is audio or podcasting this isn't anything new we've had audio options and even audio books so i mean 
you know, you go to Audible, you can download all kinds of resources there to listen to while you're in the car. Podcasts are, are going to allow you to subscribe to different different topics, different authors from all over and learn about a variety of things. That's the way I like to do it. I don't read uh, a lot of like hardback books or softback books, either one. <laughs> um, you know, I, I'm more apt to listen to something because I do have a fair amount of travel or a fair amount of windshield time. And podcasts work great for me. And there's iTunes U, right? That's another way that you can yeah, get information. Yeah, I about that, yeah. Hey, we want to take a moment to thank one of our sponsors, and that's our good friends at Binary Fountain. You know, as a healthcare marketer, it's probably pretty obvious these days how much time you're spending uh, on reviews, ratings relative to hospitals, physicians, all that kind of good stuff. You know, too many of those are going unanswered, and they're certainly not being analyzed. This could be costing us new and current customers. It could be impacting our patient experience scores and potentially impacting our revenue. Luckily, our good friends at Binary Fountain have an online reputation management platform called Binary Health Analytics. If you'd like to learn more or even schedule a demo, visit them online at binaryfountain.com. That's binaryfountain.com. One podcast in particular I think we should maybe talk a little bit about is, or a podcast network, is maybe us. What do you think? Yeah. Chris and I did want to take a minute and just uh, fill everybody in on kind of where Touchpoint is is headed in the future. And so uh, we thought we'd take just a minute to do that, and then, then we'll tell you kind of what we have in store for the rest of the episode. When Chris and I started Touchpoint 60 three and a half episodes ago at this point it, it was just because we wanted to do it you know it was just for fun it was something we'd thread, threatened to do for a long time and it was great and it was a, it was an excuse for for you and i uh, to chat on a regular basis that was really the gist of it what we accidentally did was realize that this was a great way to try to stay current because it, it forces us to uh, research topics it forces us to stay not only research topics, but the way we did our podcast, right? We started talking to experts that are out there in the space that are doing some cool stuff. And the more we talk to the smarter people, that's one way I've always learned, right, is to t- talk to people that are smarter than you. It really greatly enhanced the way I personally have developed and learned. And it really got me to realize that there's a whole bunch of other stuff out there that I can just continually do. And that's why the stuff that we talk about, I learn from yeah. you every week and I learn from our experts. You know, we started the podcast and, and, and it's gone well. And, and we owe a lot of that or all of that, quite honestly, to whoever's currently listening right now. Mm-hmm. You know, so, right, right. Um, and so that's been great. And it's allowed us to do a lot of things and expand. Well, we, we realized pretty quickly or maybe six or eight, nine months into the podcast that there were other opportunities. There were other things we wanted to hear and learn about. Mm-hmm. And there were other audiences out there. We felt like through some really interesting conversations and just luck and timing, uh, we've been able to launch other podcasts hosted by other people. So we thought, you know what, there's an opportunity here that we could help with. Um, There's a lot of subject matter experts out there. There are a lot of great people and great hosts that just don't have to produce a show, right? And edit Mm -hmm. and get it distributed and and all those types of things. And so we thought, well, that's a good combination. You know, Chris and I can keep doing our shows. We can launch other shows around other topics. 
And that's what we've done. And if, if this sounds out of left field and you're not sure exactly what we're talking about, you can go to touchpoint.health and you can see we've got about five shows now. You know, Chris and I focus on digital marketing. Uh, we've got Dr. Brian Vardabedian, uh, a physician, and he is running a physician-hosted shows where he talks to other physicians about physicians in the intersection of technology. We've got uh, John Mason, uh, former hospital CIO, uh, talking about all things uh, healthcare IT. We've got uh, a show that we've done in conjunction with Binary Fountain on repetition management. And then finally, we're doing another show with uh, the Forms for Healthcare Strategist, centered mostly around professional networking. And how to optimize your learnings through a professional network, because that's what the other part of what they do. They only don't only do conferences, but they do education and training. You know, here's the thing. When you describe all those different shows, Reed, the, the one thing that kind of holds true that binds it all together, it's really focused on healthcare and it expands learnings over much more than just digital marketing. Now we right. have someone talking from a right. CIO perspective. We have a right. doctor. We have all these different viewpoints and perspectives. And really what, what I, I, I like to think that we're doing with building out Touchpoint Media is really expanding the way healthcare education is occurring. The response that we're getting from people listening in that they're really liking this information. And by the way, I sit there and listen to the podcast myself, you know, and learn. Here's the funny part. How many episodes have we done on machine learning slash AI? Probably a couple of three at this point, maybe. Right. And then obviously those that listen to the podcast know we've mentioned it quite a few times. Well, so our healthcare IT podcast is called The Connected Hospital. Well, we're, we're two episodes in. So episode one is What is the Connected Hospital? Super interesting uh, show where they talk about not just the IT side that you think of, but how much more closely that's aligned at the clinical side of the house now. And so anyway, that's an interesting one. You should go listen to it. But the second episode that just came out is on artificial intelligence. And I listened to it, and wow, that was really interesting. It was funny to me how I could listen to a show about a topic that I've already covered. I knew more coming out of that episode than I did going in, you know. And so yeah. Dr. Bryden Bartabedian's show called The Exam Room, but episode one is actually on physician burnout. And I'm not a physician, but I was able to listen to that and actually go, wow, that's that's actually some really interesting points. And I was able to pull correlations to just my own life or other people I've talked to or heard from and things like that. And so we'd love to hear from you, love to hear back on how you like the current shows, the format, the guests, the host, all that kind of good stuff. But also what topics, what other shows, you know, where, where do you feel like a gap exists? Because we would like to create something that we feel like, you know, we're adding value to this community. I mean, that's the whole point here, right? It's like we're giving as much as we're taking, I guess, in the way we're educating. So with that, Reed, I think that maybe what we should do, this is going to be a little different. Instead of having an expert interview today, why don't we run a little clip of the Forum Quorum, which is the podcast that we did with the Forum for Healthcare Strategists, and uh, let people learn a little bit about how they're looking at educating. And quite honestly, it's a great one to listen to because if you're coming to the forums uh, next week, if you're coming to the Healthcare Marketing and uh, Physician Summit, then you're going to be able to hear, whether you're a vendor or a hospital, you know how to really maximize that experience from some of the folks that have been there the longest. This is the Forum Quorum, an audio series presented to you exclusively by the Forum for Healthcare Strategists. Our panel of healthcare industry leaders will discuss how you can optimize your experience at the Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategies Summit. 
Whether you work in a hospital or are exhibiting on behalf of your company, the advice and expertise we will share will inspire and inform. All right, here we are. I am Reed Smith, joined always by Chris Boyer, and we will be your moderators for today. Enjoyed by an illustrious panel, both hospitals and vendors alike. Maybe as we get started, let's uh, do a quick round robin and everybody introduce yourself. Hi, good afternoon. I'm Lisa McCluskey, and I am with, am with CHI Memorial, located in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We are responsible for all internal and external marketing and communications. I'm Rob Rosenberg. I am president of Springboard Brand and Creative Strategy, and we are a healthcare branding and marketing firm located outside of Chicago in Arlington Heights. And Springboard's been around since 2002, and we work with health systems across the U.S., and glad to join you today. Hey everyone, this is Reba Thompson. I am the Director of Client Partnerships for Writer Girl and Associates. We are a professional writing company that specializes in the hospital and healthcare market. Preston B. I'm the Vice President of Strategic Marketing with Christus Health. Christus is an international firm that has about 60 hospitals in the United States and uh, Latin America. I've been with the organization four and a half years and have responsibility for marketing and marketing research. So today we're going to be talking about attending conferences, particularly the Forum for Healthcare Strategists, and really sharing best practices and tips on hospitals, as well as healthcare vendors, uh, healthcare partners that are attending and presenting at the exhibit can maximize their attendance and their exposure. Lisa, why do you think hospitals attend conferences like this one? And what, what are some of the value that they get from these conferences? For people like me, we're attending these conferences in order to help us learn how to do our job better, to bring something back to our team that will elevate the work that we're doing. We're looking for someone to share information that's enlightening. We we want something that's actionable, something we can bring back and, and apply tomorrow to help us work smarter, faster, more efficiently. I think there's a great deal of benefit to be derived from the latest thinking by our peers, industry experts. Also, the value of networking is really invaluable. Something, some of these things you can get you know, digitally or through podcasts and that sort of thing, but it's difficult to replicate the networking opportunities that you have. And then I think also just the, the aspect of innovation, what's new, What's happening in the field? How's it going to change the way we do things? Very cool. Uh, Reba, maybe from the vendor side of things, you know, sa- same question, but but obviously you guys have been attenders of, of conferences and specifically this conference in, in years past. Why, why do you guys come? Why do you display? We have a rich history of coming to conferences like this. We've been doing it now for about seven years. Um, we found a, a lot of value getting outside of the walls of our office and really interacting with our everyday users and buyers of our service. Um, so it offers us an opportunity to meet people face-to-face, have a good time, uh, learn a little bit about the trends of the industry and what the pain points that our customers are really experiencing so that we can address those from our business perspective and be what Lisa said, be a solution provider for them so that 
hospitals and health systems can work smarter and uh, more efficiently within tighter budgets. Rob, anything you want to add to what Reba has said? You know, I think uh, really captured that very well. Likewise, you know, we certainly, you have to stay and be on the pulse of all the latest trends and all the different subjects being discussed at these conferences. So it's a good place to see and hear, but also, I, I suppose, be seen and heard as it relates to opportunities to meet with people, current customers, uh, clients, and those that are also uh, prospective. But then again, just industry leaders that can really help from a vendor standpoint, uh, understand, again, what some of the current challenges are that they're facing and how firms like ours can adapt to best help them. I'll jump in with one more thing that kind of made me feed off of what Rob said. We, we're in this world of like awesome technology. We can do everything virtual. You can, like we're doing now, you know, we can get a group of great people together to do a lot of work. But I think that we really miss that face-to-face touch as we go throughout a year's worth of work. Think of how many times we're actually interacting in person with our customers and with our, our end users, buyers. And so this is awesome to just get outside Talk to actual people, not through, a, not to a computer screen and not to an email address and really put a face to the name. Reba, that's, that's really great. And that actually tees up our next question, which we're going to toss out to all of you. But maybe first we'll start with you, Rob. When you're attending these conferences, you, you alluded to this, that there are multiple different ways that you can interact with people there. There's the actual face-to-face. There's the track session of the conference. And in addition, you know, there's the ability through the uh, exposition hall to interact with people. Tell us about some of the tactical things that you as a vendor can do to optimize those various different touch points with uh, your potential clients. You know, uh, speaking and starting, I suppose, in the exhibit hall, you know, it is difficult to stand out and have in-depth conversations with attendees uh, sometimes during that. Uh, you have to think about it as really almost a 30-second commercial, and that's really all people want to talk to, quote, a vendor before they move on and they find either another uh, spot or they grab a snack. We, we kind of realized that you got a very short window during that time, but I think the flip of that is really it's what you do before and after. After that can really make or break your investment in the exhibit hall. Before the show, it's really important to identify, you know, what we kind of call those nano prospects. No more really than 25 people you really want to meet during the show. Use the list that's provided and tools such as LinkedIn. Introduce yourself, invite prospects to visit with you. Again, either during the hours, as you said, during some of the session tracks. You have to be somewhat sensitive, I believe, as an exhibitor because really the attendees there want to attend the session. Sessions. They want to network with each other and you don't want to be a pest and you don't want to intrude on some of that time. So I think being sensitive to it and really looking for ways before and after the day starts to really identify and meet with some of the people you really want to talk to is really the, I think, the way to go. And it's a little bit more low key, but I do believe that it works better for exhibitors. I like the idea of kind of laying some groundwork beforehand. So the, the work of displaying at the conference actually starts well before arriving. So I think that's a really good takeaway. Lisa, I'd love to get your thought on the Expo Hall. How do hospitals view the Expo Hall? How to use it? How is that part of the conference experience for hospitals? It's really a great place to have interactions with the product that you're thinking about. There are so many opportunities for different products, different software that 
really narrowing where you want to start can be a difficult thing. But when you have the opportunity to look at who's going to be in the expo hall in advance and start to identify, okay, I'm interested in you know two or three things in particular. What I find helpful is if a vendor reaches out to me and they want to schedule a time in the booth for me to come and talk to them. And I've, I've had that happen a few times, and it's really helpful to have that scheduled time where we're going to have that face-to-face interaction, and I can learn just enough more. Because if you think about, as a vendor, you really want to bridge from that you know, high to, to low impact, and face-to-face is, as, as was said, is the highest impact. And then you can proceed down to phone discussions and high-impact mailers and LinkedIn, and, and it goes down the line, but face-to-face is so important. Also, you know, one of the things that I found particularly helpful was current vendors invited me to come to the booth. And, you know, we have one vendor had just a Starbucks gift card and invited me to come to the booth to, to meet the team and, and talk to them again because once you start working with a vendor, you may never see them frequently. So not only was it helpful for me to connect with the team, but then I was in the booth as a reading fan. So I'm talking about how wonderful this product has been and how helpful it is to me. And people who are just prospects are hearing this. So for that particular vendor, it was very helpful to have me as a current customer in the booth as a reading fan. Yeah, I enjoy hearing from the people. Now, it can get overwhelming. But, um, you know, especially if there's a common contact or if I know the folks and having been in the field quite a while, many of us have been, we many times will know the firms or know people in the firms. And so for them to reach out beforehand, tell us about something that's maybe innovative in their portfolio or other clients they're working with that might have application in our realm as well. And I will usually make anywhere between five to eight appointments with people just to grab a coat or to meet them at the booth. Sometimes if it's a more in-depth discussion, we'll have breakfast or lunch, but I don't mind people reaching out. And uh, I usually will use that outreach as a trigger for me to make sure that I connect with them and either, you know, informally saying I'll drop by the booth or more formally by saying, yeah, let's grab breakfast on this day or let's grab Coke on, um, during the break of the exhibitor break. Oh, that's excellent. That's excellent. When it comes to like the aesthetics, because you're looking at 50 to 70 to 100 vendors in a spot, in a very small spot, I think there's two things. One, you want to have a very inviting space. So if you're sitting down or there's a barrier to an op- opening up the room for a conversation, I think you're just going to get passed by with people that are walking by. Um, so try to make it somewhat inviting. Don't sit down. Don't even have chairs in your booth because that's going to tempt you to sit down because you're on your feet all day. But, um, the other thing is really make it clear what you do. I can't even tell you the amount of times that I, as a vendor go through the hall and I look at these booths that we spend so much money on and I can't even tell at a glance what the company does. So I think really honing in on 
when the healthcare executives come through, when they're able to look up at your booth and tell what you do, that is very important. Now, you might not be for everybody, and that's okay too. You're definitely not for everybody, but at least that gives them a decision point with, yes, I want to talk about this service or product or software, or no, I don't, instead of leaving them confused and they'll just pass by. Reeve, I'd like to actually add on to that because you know, when you finally make that commitment, you're, pat, you're going by a booth and you think, okay, I'm going to step in. Um, for that person who's at the booth, you know, don't just say, how's it going? Um, you can get a lot more information about the pain point or why they're, they actually stepped into your booth by simply saying, you know, what was the most enlightening presentation you attended today? Or what was the, you know, what, did, what was the thing that you learned at any of the presentations today? Because that can give you an insight into what they're trying to solve and engage in conversation uh, rather than just, how's it going today? And that doesn't leave you a very good jumping off point to draw them into what you do as a vendor. These are all great suggestions. I've been able to benefit over the years by attending both as from a hospital perspective as well as on the on the flip side as a vendor perspective. I, I often walk through the, the hallways of the expos and I wonder at times how much foresight and thought that the people that are exhibiting there are taking to really engaging in the right way. We talk about this a lot with digital marketing that we don't want to put content out there that just doesn't resonate with the audiences. And I feel a lot of times that at the expo halls, they're putting content content out there that just doesn't resonate with the people that are coming through. I think it's a nice tra- natural transition to talk a little bit about another part of the conference experience. Yeah. So when you're looking at this and you're, you're valuing attending these conferences, both from the hospital side and the vendor side, is it important to you? Is it, a, do you make a cognizant effort to have multiple team members attend these conferences? There's uh, certainly uh, for uh, newer people to our company, it's great to have them there just to learn and be exposed to the depth of our industry. Uh, Very little expectations in terms of, you know, number of business cards or contacts or any of that stuff, Uh, but really more just go to uh, learn and open yourselves up a little bit. From a business development standpoint or a client service standpoint, sure, you know, it's good to have a couple extra people there with you. If you have numerous clients at a conference, it's great to get together and, as Lisa said, maybe have an event where you can bring existing clients as well as prospects so that the prospects can hear from current clients about what it's like to work with you. And I think more importantly, just have a better bigger discussion on some of the key trends and issues that are happening. And it's terrific to get uh, different perspectives on that. So yeah, bring a few extra people and and really kind of weigh it on number of clients that you have and really what your goals are in terms of education or prospecting and or both. I think that's great. Reba, what about you? Is there is there a reason to bring additional team members? Do you do they have assigned roles when they come? Uh, what, what's the expectation in, in your mind? There's so many offerings when you come to a conference like this over a three-day period and so many chances for interaction that we want to have the most amount of people there so that we can divide and conquer and soak up as much FaceTime, information gathering, anything that we can get. We bring uh, quite a few people to it for those reasons alone. We always have somebody at the booth that can man that and be inviting and, you know, 
uh, field questions and potential prospects and clients there. And then we that leaves room for, like Lisa mentioned, appointments, you know, being able to really schedule a time to sit down and have a cup of coffee or a glass of wine with your current clients or a, a really potential hot prospect that you're um, would love to do business with. So we do bring additional people so that we can kind of leverage all of the avenues for growing our business and meeting our partners. Having worked in hospitals, I know that there's also strategy that goes on on our end to determine who we decide to bring and select to bring to the conference. Tell us a little bit about from a hospital perspective, who should you invite to conferences? What we will do when we take multiple team members, and we often do, for example, the the forum that's coming up, we'll have uh, four or five team members there. And there are pre-conference workshops. Um, so in this case, there's a good, really good digital one. We'll have our person that's in charge of that attend that. And then when we get there, um, you know, we'll say, you know, we'll usually huddle uh, either on a daily or before the conference basis and say, okay, who's going to go to which session? Let's make sure we got the, the ones that covered that we need to. And then what we do uh, in terms of after the conference is we will have a debrief with the entire team. So everybody will take 15 to 20 minutes and talk about the sessions that mattered most. But that way, everybody benefits from it. And then the next conference, we'll have another wave of people go, and we'll go through the same drill. Well, I look for those individuals that it, it's truly a mentoring opportunity. We are into succession planning. When you look at you know the workforce and healthcare today, many of us are at that point where in a few years, we're thinking about retirement. And so who are we trying to bring along? There are so many wonderful presentations that they can go to. But then also, it's about networking with people in positions uh, to elevate the knowledge base. And it, it's about connections, making connections with people who can help you in, in what you do. So I look for a staff member that, that I'd like to mentor, that I'd like to bring up to the next step in their career. So we talked about the conferences and we talked about strategies around bringing the, the right people to to the conference and even how to maximize the expo hall. Really, when you take a step back and you, you after you leave the conference and you kind of look back, the question comes around, you know, how do you determine success? What does success look like? So, Rob, let's start with you. What does success look like for you when you evaluate a conference prior as well as after? Well, it's always a tough question uh, because sometimes success doesn't come. It's a longer lag time. So sometimes when you immediately get back, you know, I think the old days of, uh, and again, speaking more as a as an exhibitor or a vendor as opposed to maybe a speaker uh, or, a, or a facilitator, success sometimes takes a while to quantify in terms of uh, potentially uh, new projects might, that might come out of it or new relationships that you might develop. Uh, these are things that don't happen overnight. Now, occasionally, and at this particular conference, it has happened to us. But, uh, more and more, there's a longer lag time. So looking at success to me now is, is if I look at the short term, as uh, Reba said, have I been able to make face-to-face contacts with people that uh, I haven't seen in a while, um, whether it's college colleagues, whether it's competitors, whether it's conference attendees, and, you know, have I been able to just get out there and learn something as well? What's happening? 
happening and, and what are some of the pain points and other key factors. Longer term, again, that's where you look at more of a quantitative evaluation to say, you know, was it worth it? Did I, you know, earn some additional revenue out of it? Um, did I gain some opportunities to speak at different organizations uh, or to present our capabilities? So you have to really look at it both ways, again, based on the goals that you enter at the start. I think Rob's spot on. I mean, we track very similarly connections, interactions, of course, budgets and dollars down the road. But I also think the flip of that is, what does it cost you not to be there? So we look at that as well. How, how much of a jump are our competitors getting over top of us? How much are we missing out in trending information and insights? Kind of the inverse of that is by not being there, how far is that setting our company back? And so we look at that as well. Cool. What about from the hospital standpoint, Lisa? How do, how do you evaluate the success of a conference or uh, the value of a conference? For me personally, from a hospital perspective, I often am going as a speaker as well as an attendee. So I'm looking at it from two perspectives. One is, you know, have I contributed to growing our industry? You know, healthcare marketing uh, is, a, is a very challenging industry. So if I consider success if I've helped someone else solve a problem or grow in, in the profession of healthcare marketing, and then secondly, you know, we, we look at what's, what's the pain, I think Rubis said that, that we're trying to solve or, you know, focusing on the why. Um, have we perhaps come across an idea that would help us to address an, a trend in the industry, someone that has a best practice that we can bring back? And then also it's, it is the networking and it's connecting with the really smart people in the industry who are, are leading the trends. Yeah, I will often look at the keynoters, which I think many of us do. Um, and I particularly appreciate conferences that have keynoters that speak to the topical items addressing our industry. I mean, it's interesting sometimes to have, you know, the headliners that are celebrities or that are political figures or things like that. But I, I enjoy more those keynoters that have uh, timely and relevant information for what we're doing. And those two don't, those can be compatible. Sometimes, you know, if you if it's an election year, then to have a, you know, a columnist or a leading politician or something, that might be germane. But I really enjoy people that are speaking about what's on the vanguard, from an industry standpoint, or just from a, a general communication standpoint. And being, again, in the market-facing functions, it doesn't need to be somebody that's necessarily in the health industry. They might be coming from the consumer goods or something like that, but they can be speaking on the latest trends. That's a critical thing for me. Then I'll look, secondly, to the breakout sessions, because that's uh, where you get a lot of really in-depth information specific to our situation, our organization, and to our function. Um, and then, you know, the, uh, the venue, the activities, those kind of things are great as well. And speaking to my point earlier about networking, I think it's really important to have one or two really good networking activities where you just have an hour or two, whether it's an evening reception or something or, you know, something in the exhibitor hall where you can just 
uh, get around and connect with uh, colleagues and people you want to interact with. Very cool. Well, you, you mentioned early on there um, presenting and speaking um, is an ex, is an I guess an extension of the conference attendance. Uh, what 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 are just some basic kind of guidelines or tips maybe for those that they've done some of that before, maybe in their own organization or other conferences, but either they they're new to this particular conference or, or speaking in general. Do you do you have any general guidelines or tips for those folks? Sure. You know, I like to follow the Zig Ziglar approach, which is you can get everything in life you want if you help other people get what they want. So my approach has always been to give somebody something they can take back and implement. Um, it, it isn't a place just to be a glorified sales pitch, right? We want, we want to make sure that we're sharing a solution to a problem, but we give them something to take home. Uh, maybe it's a template. Maybe it's a how-to guide. It's something that they can customize for them and implement right away. Uh, perhaps it is it's it's sharing research that was done, um, or it is reporting on a on a trend. But you know, why did we implement a change that addressed that trend, and what difference did that make? So, you know, I, I always like to have something that is very relevant to the problem that they're trying to solve and give them something they can take home and use to implement in their own organization. That's great. Uh, Reba, any additional thoughts on uh, presentation tips? Yeah, like what Lisa said, um, really it's not a place to be a sales pitch. Um, We've spoken nationally and regionally, and outside of the bio, I don't think we ever even say the word writer girl in our conversation. So it's really about elevating um, the industry. It's about sharing your tips and secrets. It's about transparency so that we can all rise. Rising ships bring rising tides or whatever that saying is. I think that's the whole premise and the idea is having concrete data, having concrete examples, giving key takeaways. Uh, When I go back to my desk the day after, what is the first thing I can do? It's not pie in the sky information. It's actionable right now, today. Here are three things that I can do to work more efficiently and serve our customers better. Rob, as a kind of a follow-up related question around that, how do you choose the right topics to use to highlight your expertise? I think as much as there's an exhibitor strategy, there's also a speaker strategy. And looking at what's new and what's different is so important. It's incumbent on both the conferences, and I know that uh, Judy and her team do an excellent job, as well as the speakers, to to plan it out. It's not the day of when the proposal is due to suddenly jot something down and, you know, go with it. It's another case study or it's something, you know, again, that's been discussed for years. But I think it's important uh, to think about what's really new, what's different, what's driving your thoughts. In fact, if speakers are actually thought leaders, then, you know, what are some of those thoughts that are coming to mind um, in the day-to-day and the, you know, the month-to-month industry and, and what we're seeing evolving? And and I think, you know, sometimes thinking outside, you know, quote, the healthcare box is really important it's, and it's very enlightening to me uh, to follow 
other brand uh, leaders and other sites and sounds of what's happening so that, you know, you're always thinking about how it can relate to healthcare marketing. And, you know, people always say, well, it's always behind the times. I don't know if I agree with that. I think healthcare marketing is catching up quickly and there's a lot of innovation happening there. Um, but, but using some of, you know, kind of getting out of just the healthcare marketing box and thinking about branding and marketing in among big brands and what's happening and how it relates. I think is really where a lot of great fodder for these kind of conferences come out of. And I know attending those sessions as well as speaking at those sessions, that's really where the energy and the buzz comes from, not necessarily the same old thing, uh, just with a different hospital. And again, to, you know, kind of further down this track a little bit, Lisa, I, you know, I know you, you talked a little bit about this in the beginning. Uh, of our time together today, but your determination on which vendors you would speak with at a conference, for example, what are some of those determining factors on, um, you know, who, who you do decide to spend time with? So it goes back to, you know, our pain points and, you know, what are the current challenges that we're facing? And, you know, truthfully, in, a, in our positions, we receive just numerous you know, emails every day with product offerings and, and vendor offerings, and there isn't enough time to really sort through them. Um, if someone is contacting me in advance and they're letting me know that they're going to be a vendor at the at the exhibit hall, and here's what they're offering, you know, I'm more likely to go search them out. And you know, we all get the oversized pre-show postcards, and you know, I'd say mix those, but really it's about being timely in the invite and sending me information that that I'm going to, to look at, have time to respond to, and not two days before I leave just be inundated with 20 offers um, for meetings. So I think there's a thoughtfulness that needs to happen on both sides. You know, I want to go into the exhibit hall knowing I at the end of the day, I want to make sure that I have had time to talk to these, you know, five vendors. And, and likewise, from the vendor, um, being able to know that I'm going to make certain in that, in that three-day time period, I have, I have dedicated 15 minutes with that, that executive. Hey, Chris, before we go too much further, jump into this next segment of the podcast, I did want to uh, mention and thank uh, one of our sponsors, Influence Health. Uh, you know, they've got a consumer experience platform that, that covers several things. And correct me if I'm wrong, but we've we've talked about content management systems on this podcast. Yeah, we did. What about CRMs? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we covered CRMs for sure. And then obviously each and every week we talk about digital marketing. So digital marketing systems, uh, you know, in one way, shape or form have probably been covered, right? That's right. Digital marketing systems. And I would say that we even talk about it in a way of uh, that overall digital consumer experience. Well, there you go. I, you know, I would I would recommend for anybody interested in one of those topics uh, or anything else. They've also got some complimentary solutions on their website. But but head over to their website, take a look at what they've got and what they're offering relative to CMS, CRM, digital marketing systems. Kind of how all that is woven together in what they call their consumer experience platform. Find your way over to influencehealth.com.
Well, there you go. Read a little bit from the Forum Quorum. Try saying that four times fast. Really good information there. And we had a great panel of guests. Apologize a little bit for the audio. Some of our guests that were dialing in. It's always a challenge when you're creating good audio content, isn't it? Appreciate everybody doing that. It was a great group. A lot of fun to do. And uh, that particular show, the Forum Quorum, uh, we're looking at putting out something, again, kind of in that professional networking space under that moniker uh, quarterly. That'll That's be right. one of those that'll come out a handful of times a year and should be great. So as you're listening to this, we're only a few days away from the 23rd annual Healthcare Marketing and Physician Strategy Summit, which happens April 30th through May the 2nd in Salt Lake City. So if you're going to be there, we'd love to hear from you, love to see you. Feel mm-hmm. free to reach out prior. Feel free to track us down at the event. Mm-hmm. If you're not there, we will actually, uh, Chris and I will actually be uh, doing a panel that we'll record and uh, put out as a podcast, which will be great. It's on podcasting. Kind of weird, kind of unique all at the same time. But anyway, and then be talking to a lot of folks there that you'll hear in upcoming episodes. So really looking forward to it. And if you're there, Reed, if someone's there, come track me or read down because the rumor has it we're going to be recording a top secret panel session that's kind of off the books, kind of like a speakeasy for podcasts here. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Uh, okay, before we wrap up, a couple of recommendations. I'm going to put on your hat today, Reed. Okay. I am going to recommend something that normally would be something you would recommend. I, you know, I started a new job and was outfitting my office with all the right accoutrements and all the right, you know, things that I need. And it's a couple things that are essential for a digital guy. Of course, I got my new computer. I got a pad of paper um, and I'll, I'll refer, I'll recommend that in a future episode, but this is what I'm going to recommend is the type of ballpoint pen that I use at work. Now, one of the things you've recommended some high-end ballpoint pens, Reed, in your mm-hmm, past. Mm-hmm. The high-end ones are great, but I have a tendency to sometimes just misplace them. I want to go for something that's a little bit, I don't know, you know, a little bit more at the lower end of the spectrum. So it's a good, high-quality pen, but uh, one that if you accidentally, you know, leave it behind in a conference room, that's okay. You bought a box at 24, you're ready to go. You got some more coming in, right? What I am recommending today is the Bic. Z4 Plus Rollerball Stick Pen with black ink. By the way, it's a 0.7 millimeter tip. Mm, Nice. This pen writes just like a Sharpie in terms of that quality, that crisp, clear black ink, but it doesn't seep through the paper. You write on one side, it stays on one side of your paper. It's a rollerball, so it flows easily. For a low-end, run-of-the-mill pen, this is probably one of the best pens I've seen out there. The Bic Z4 Plus Roller Ball Stick Pen Black Ink at the 0.7 millimeter tip. It's excellent. Everybody needs a good roller ball mm-hmm. pen, so that's excellent. In the uh, essence, uh, in the vein of today's show, I'm going to actually recommend uh, a membership to the American College of Healthcare Executives. Ooh. So it's it's not expensive to join ACHE, and um, you you get a lot of great information there and a lot of great uh, opportunities for continuing education. So you can, if you have enough years of experience in healthcare and some things like that, progress down a track with certain uh, CEUs or continuing education and actually obtain, uh, through testing, your, your board certification, your FACHE credentials. But short of that... There's still great, great things that you can do uh, and, and receive from them. So they've got, you know, kind of regional uh, webinars, uh, meetups, mm-hmm. and conferences. Mm-hmm. 
But there's something that's really cool. You get to kind of choose what you want when you join. I actually received the journal of healthcare management. So, I mean, this is all the published, you know, you can be published. You can submit stuff to this, right? So in each one, they, they come out. Uh, this is the, I'm looking at the one that's the March-April edition. So they come out, I guess, half dozen times a year. Um, there's some interviews, some research articles in there that are that are really interesting. Again, this has nothing to do with marketing and communications, although some of that kind of trickles through. But like one of the research articles in this one is uh, patient perception of medication communications in the hospital, the role of the pharmacist. Ooh. And so that's kind of interesting. Um, there's also one under sustaining relevance, which is uh, strengthening community through strategy, building a premier academic medical destination. It's cool. And then there's also the Healthcare Executive Magazine. So it's the magazine for healthcare leaders that you also get that's great, has some great uh, content in it. Kind of one of those... Uh, uh, ways that you can stay abreast of what's uh, what's going on in the space. I strongly recommend it as well. I'm an FACHE member and it's definitely worth it. Well, we're only days away. This will be a great episode. I think leading into where we're going to be next week, we'll be recording a lot of great content. Again, track us down. We look forward to seeing everybody. For those of you who can't make it and you want to just tune in, be sure to jump out to our website, touchpoint.health, where you can subscribe to our podcast as well as all those other podcasts we talked about. Amp up your education there. We'll be putting out episodes and shows next week through the conference, and we'll share with you a little bit about stuff that we learned while we were there. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for Chris Boyer, I'm Reed Smith, and for everyone else at touchpoint.health, thanks for listening, and we'll see you next week. This has been a Touchpoint Media production. To learn more about this show and others like it, please visit us online at touchpoint.health.